0: Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important
1: issues. If there were an electromagnetic pulse over America, it wouldn't be the same as a nuclear blast, but it could destroy civilization as we know it. Today we interview Dr. Peter Pry, who has written about EMP Manhattan Project.
0: Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmitt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps.
1: God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. On today's show, we have a live interview with my new friend, Peter Pry, he is a doctor, uh, Peter Vincent Pry, who has written a new book, EMP Manhattan Project, and it's all about protecting America from attack by its enemies. This man is a national security expert, has advised presidents way back to the Reagan administration. Live from man- uh, Maryland today. Welcome, Peter Pry, to the program.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So, I'm honored to meet you, sir. If you would please introduce yourself and give us uh, your brief resume.
2: Sure. I'm uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. I've worked for the uh, CIA, for the House Armed Services Committee, and on various uh, congressional commissions. Most recently, I was the chief of staff of the Congressional Electromagnetic Pulse Commission for 17 years. Um, and in all of that service, basically, I'm an expert on weapons of mass destruction nuclear, chemical, biological, and the one that has always concerned me the most has been electromagnetic pulse, because in part because it is the least understood, but also because it is potentially the most destructive, you know, with a single nuclear weapon, uh, an electromagnetic pulse could destroy an entire continent, not just a city, but an entire all, all of North America, by taking out the electric grids and other electronics, you know, we're an electronic civilization. And without our electricity and electronics, you know, we cannot survive.
1: The, well help me understand I if you would. I'm I'm a twenty year veteran and a former Air Force nuclear missile officer. So I understand what it means to be able to launch a Minuteman three over to our enemy's territory, but how is electromagnetic pulse different than a nuclear weapon that is launched against us, let's say by North Korea or by Russia or some country that wants to do us harm, wouldn't they just blow up our cities with nuclear weapons? Why is EMP different?
2: Well, if you detonated a nuclear weapon in a city, one city, you'd destroy that city. And if you had a thermonuclear weapon, you might even kill hundreds of thousands or even a million people. Uh, But if you use that same weapon detonated at high altitude, that is in outer space above the atmosphere, a minimum altitude of 30 kilometers, but you can go as high as 400 kilometers, you would be able to basically destroy the entire nation. And the EMP commission estimated that uh, if we had a nationwide blackout that lasted one year as a result of an EMP attack from one nuclear weapon, we could lose up to 90% of our population through starvation, disease, and societal collapse. Think of EMP as an anti-technology weapon that basically subtracts technology from our modern electronic civilization. You know, we have a population of 326 million people. Before we had the technology that we have today, before there were electric grids and the modern technology, we had a population in 1900 of less than 100 million people. You know, the reason we can support 326 million people today is because of that technology. You take that technology away, we would lose not just millions, but hundreds of millions of Americans to starvation, disease, societal collapse. And that's what makes EMP attack uh, a much greater threat, uh, uh, an exponentially greater threat than a nuclear attack on, on, on a city.
1: So take us through the possible sequence. What would happen on day one? What would happen at the end of the first week? And what would happen over the course of a one year after we received an attack via electromagnetic pulse.
2: I'd also like to explain, before going through that, uh, that one of the other differences about EMP is that unlike the scenario you described in before where Russia or North Korea might launch a missile at our cities, uh, you can do an EMP attack anonymously so that there would be no fingerprints since you only have to use one weapon. You don't need to launch an ICBM You could launch a single weapon off of a freighter off our coast, for example, or loft it over our country by a balloon, or orbit it by a satellite. You know, there's hundreds of satellites in low-Earth orbit, two of them from North Korea, uh, that are at the uh, right trajectory and altitude for doing an EMP attack over the United States, if they had a nuclear weapon on those satellites, the KMS-3 and KMS-4 satellites. The EMP Commission is so concerned that they may be nuclear-armed, That we have recommended shooting those satellites down. Now, on day one, what would happen? Well, since the electromagnetic pulse will destroy electronics, uh, one of the things that doesn't happen uh, is that you wouldn't even know necessarily that you were under attack. The bomb detonates at such a high altitude in the vacuum of space that you wouldn't hear any blast on the ground If it was a cloudy day, you wouldn't even see the flash. There'd be no thermal effects. There'd be no fallout. There'd be no blast effects that would reach the surface of the earth. You might not know you were under attack until you went to try to start your car. And then you'd find the car wouldn't start when there's no electricity in your house, the water doesn't run because there's no electricity. The refrigerator doesn't work. So your food starts to spoil the telephones don't work Uh, in effect the technology that you depend upon on a day-to-day basis has been subtracted from your life. People flying, uh, the half million people, there's about 500,000 people that are in the air at any given time flying on on about 2,000 airliners. Many of those airliners could crash. Uh, If we're talking about a nuclear weapon specialized for EMP, like a super EMP weapon, which we think the North Koreans have, you know, Most or all of those airliners would come crashing down so immediately half a million people would die just from airliners crashing out of the sky. That's day one. There's more on day one.
1: Well, let's take a short break. When we come back, I'll ask him about day two and what happens in the wake of this. Peter Pry is the author of EMP Manhattan Project. You can find that book on amazon.com right now. Let's take a short break.
3: This is PIJN News. Defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. How can you
1: discern the thoughts in your own mind from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit or from angels or from invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps and you've seen us on this show talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe you know that I wrote my PhD dissertation entitled How to See the Holy Spirit and Angels and Demons. And it's all about this important topic of receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. How can you discern the thoughts that come to you? How do you know to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that from the demonic voice which tempts us to sin? Well, this is an important skill and it will change your ministry. It'll change your life which is why we've created now not just a book, but a 17 part video Bible study on a four disc DVD set that we would like to send to you and your church and your family and your small group. This important Bible study series goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. How did Jesus discern the spirits? How did the apostle Paul discern the spirits? What does the Old Testament say about demons and the Holy Spirit and angels? When you learn to discern, it will transform your life and your ministry. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org and get this important video resource. Or call us toll free at 866-ObeyGod. And for a suggested donation of $99, we'll give you the entire 17 part Bible study series for just $99. And if you order today, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org or call us toll free at 866-Obey-God. Get this important Bible study series for your family. Call today.
0: Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, who has written an important book, EMP Manhattan Project is discussing national security. Peter, on your resume, you said you were an advisor to Congress. Describe the commission. How long has it been in existence and what have you advised Congress to do?
2: Well, in its first incarnation, the EMP commission, uh, well, in short, it it has been around on and off since 2001 and uh, lasted until last year, 2017. Uh, Till the end of September and uh, commissions typically only have a life of 18 months but Congress had renewed and reauthorized it uh, uh, periodically. Uh, uh, Back in 2008 the commission had made a series of over 100 recommendations to protect our society from electromagnetic pulse by hardening the electric grid and the other life-sustaining critical infrastructures like communications, transportation, food and water, banking and finance. The good news story from the EMP commission reports is that while EMP is an existential threat that can end our civilization, there's no excuse for us to be vulnerable to it. You know, we can protect our critical infrastructures. The most important of them is the electric grid, and we can do it inexpensively. Uh, The commission provided a plan for protecting the uh, bulk power system, the main power system for the electric grid that supplies electricity to the whole country, that would have cost about $3 billion, you know, which is approximately what we were giving away in foreign aid to Pakistan every, every year. And if we had, instead of giving foreign aid to Pakistan, had spent that money on one year on the security of the American people, this problem would now be solved.
1: Well, but that's the encouraging wasn't. that there is a solution, but it requires hardening the critical infrastructure of our electric grid and our banking industry and the other parts that you mentioned. So let's go back to the nightmare scenario. You described before the break what happens on day one. I walk outside after an electromagnetic pulse that happens up in outer space, affecting the entire country and my car won't start and my refrigerator is off and my telephone doesn't work. And suddenly I'm looking around at my neighbors, neighbors are walking out of the houses and maybe meeting each other for the first time in weeks. Uh, What happens on day two?
2: Well, most importantly, uh, you don't have any water on day one. And uh, and that means that on day two, uh, the, the firestorms that started in cities and towns can't be put out. And there are firestorms there because the pulse will connect into the natural gas pipelines. And the skaters that regulate the way natural gas flows through pipelines will spark and cause the pipelines to explode. So there would be firestorms in cities and towns. Any place where there's uh, that's serviced by natural gas would be a potential firebomb. There'd be forest fires raging out of control. Uh, all kinds of uh, industries that rely on, on on potentially flammable chemicals, for example, the oil refinery plants, uh, you know, in uh, uh, that exist uh, are gigantic. Chemistry sets or bombs ready to go off; and those things would be exploding. So uh, uh, day two and the rest of the week would be, uh, uh, you know, not only would you lose power, uh, you know, but there'd be the threats of fire, poisonous gas clouds. Uh, uh, not only would there be no water, but lakes and rivers would quickly become contaminated because the uh, the uh, purification facilities that take industrial wastes and human waste out of the water that, in a blackout, that backs up into the rivers and lakes. And so uh, these, these streams and natural bodies of water that are already too dangerous to drink out of under normal circumstances would potentially become fatal to drink from, uh, you know, during the water shortage that would immediately ensue.
1: So this uh, begins this to transmutate of... disease, will begin to spread around suburban neighborhoods because without proper waste treatment, you end up with backing up sewage and you end up with uh, people unable to protect themselves from uh, you know, the plague or, or various items that people had to deal with back in the 18th century. Uh, tell me more, how does this progress over the course of a month or a year in, uh, uh, hypothetical attack scenario against America?
2: Well, very quickly you're facing a catastrophic scenario because by day three uh, basically there isn't any food anymore. The grocery store, your local grocery store only has enough food to supply the local population at normal consumption rates for three days. And we know from the experience of hurricanes and tornadoes and the like uh, that by, by day three there is no food in the local grocery stores anymore. And they have to be constantly resupplied by the big regional food warehouses. There are trucks that come. But if they are paralyzed by the EMP, you know, it's not going to arrive. There won't be a replenishment of the food in the local grocery store. They don't have enough emergency generating power, these big regional food warehouses. There's only enough emergency generating power to run the refrigerators and temperature control systems in the big regional food warehouses for 72 hours. So on day three, that food will begin to spoil. And we only have enough food to feed 326 million people stored away in the whole nation in these big regional food warehouses for 30 days anyway. So if the uh, so after a month, you know, there basically won't be any food at all, either because it will have been consumed or it will have been spoiled. Before that, uh, a particularly nasty development happens on day seven. Uh, this is when the uh, uh, nuclear reactors go Fukushima because their emergency generating capacity, their batteries, their emergency generators have run out of fuel. And the, uh, the fuel rods and the cooling ponds uh, boil away and then catch on fire and, and basically go Fukushima just the way they did in Japan. Uh, you will have radioactive steam explosions in the nuclear reactors. And that, this will send radioactive clouds over most of the inhabited part of the United States that's what happens on, on day seven. And the uh, we have 100 nuclear reactors in this country, uh, you know, all of which, uh, none of them hardened against EMP, all of which would go, Fukushima as it were, and become uh, an effective radioactive bombs. And so a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that in the aftermath of an EMP, well the electricity just goes out like, so it's a normal blackout and that you're operating in a pristine environment. Some people have compared it to going back to the 19th century, and that is true in terms of subtracting the technology that we depend upon to survive. You go back to the 19th century or even earlier, but it's not true that, No, don't think of it as a 19th century environment. It would be an unprecedented environmental catastrophe, you know, where the rivers and lakes are even more polluted than they are because of human industrial waste backflowing, because of forest fires and and, uh, firestorms and cities raging and poisonous clouds, and then radioactive contamination. All of this would pose tremendous impediments to uh, survival and to the recovery of our society. But just the lack of food and water alone without these other complications after a year would be sufficient to kill about nine-tenths of our population.
1: Nine-tenths of our population. So out of 350 million, we might lose all but 35 million Americans would survive after a year. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I'll ask Dr. Peter Pry about practical solutions for you and how you can protect your family.
0: Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back.
1: I wanna make a special offer available to our television viewers, and it's our new exclusive limited edition In God We Trust wall calendar. This is good through June of 2019, and we're running out, so you really need to pick up the phone. Why would you want an inspiring calendar? Well, listen, it's got quotes from many of our past presidents, starting with General George Washington, Abe Lincoln, Dwight David Eisenhower, President Ronald Reagan, even George W. Bush. Anytime they talked about their faith, we captured it and put their quotes on a calendar you can hang on your wall. Please pick up the phone today and call us at 866-Obey-God for your gift of just $15 plus $4 shipping. We will rush you this calendar and inspire you in the months ahead. Call us at 866-Obey-God or write to us right now at P.O. Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970 Enclose your best donation and we'll ship you this calendar right away.
3: Are you frustrated at the direction your country is headed? Are you ready to fight for a cause and change the world? Do you believe God has called Christians to make a difference? Announcing a new book by Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmitt entitled, How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, a step-by-step guide to take back your country. Dr. Alan Keyes wrote the foreword saying, This book needs to be placed in the hands of every millennial and Bible-believing pastor in America. In How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, Gordon Klingenschmitt equips you with 30 powerful political tools in a 30-day devotional. His 15 inspiring true stories of political victory prove the effectiveness of these methods. You don't even need to get elected to take back your government. By becoming the media, gathering petitions, building an army, and prayerfully fighting the right enemy, you can reverse bad laws and help establish the Kingdom of God right now but if you read this book, you just might get elected too. Order your copy today. It's available in the Superstore at WND.com on Amazon, and you can get the first chapter free right now if you visit the website SchoolofLiberty.org. Again, that's SchoolofLiberty.org. That's SchoolofLiberty.org. It's time to take back your country.
0: Empowering you, the grassroots activist, here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by Dr. Peter Pry. Uh, Dr. Pry, you work closely with William Graham, who has uh, recently published an article in, in WorldNet World Daily saying that on day one, there might be only a few hundred people that die as a result of the electromagnetic blast. But you think that after a year, uh, up to 300 million Americans could be casualties and nine-tenths of our population could suffer, how does the average family protect itself if, if Congress will not act and uh, what should I do?
2: Well, first of all, that article I'm sure is not authored by Dr. William Graham. Uh, you know, I've worked very closely with him. In fact, we're working on an article now that we submitted to the Wall Street Journal. and. Uh, And uh, Dr. Graham himself has testified to the Congress that you're looking at uh, up to nine-tenths of the American people perishing in the event of an EMP. I think what people are doing is they're taking out of context. uh, There was an article in The Washington Examiner by Paul Bedard, good man, and I'm grateful that he published an article about the EMP Manhattan Project. But he misunderstood. a piece of data that was in one of the ports that talked about something like five hundred seventy five p- people dying on day one. What that what that what he what he was citing is a, a chart that looks at the people the number of people who would be die die as a direct effect of the electric grid going off. Just due to the electric grid going off, not because of airplanes crashing or nuclear reactors going to Fukushima. But that particular chart that he takes out of context that particular fact uh, was only dealing with for example people who might die in hospital tables because suddenly there's a blackout and a surgeon doesn't have light so that he can conduct an operation fatalities could be directly directly traced to the loss of life that way and uh, it's unfortunate that he focused in on that because it'll give a misimpression just as you have had that there's some kind of disagreement among the commissioners, or something about the about the level of localities, and there is no disagreement. It's it's that that reporter misunderstood that data point and what the point of that uh, of, of that datum is. Uh, now, uh, what is the solution? The solution is to not have an EMP happen in the first place. Uh, that would be able to take down the electric grid and our other critical infrastructures. Again, because Uh, Reports have provided guidance to Congress and the President on on what we need to do to protect the electric grid. Uh, There are things like Faraday cages and blocking devices and surge arrestors that the US military has been using for, for many years to protect our strategic forces and our strategic command and control. These same technologies can be adapted to be used on our electric grid and our communication systems and the food and water systems so that they would basically be invulnerable to an EMP. And that's what needs to be done. And when we delivered our report to Congress in 2008, we expected it would be done. But now it's 10 years later, and not a single recommendation of the EMP commission has been implemented. So what we have, and this is the point of the the book called EMP Manhattan Project, is, uh, is what we need is an executive agent of just like we had during the Manhattan Project in World War II that invented the atomic bomb. The president appointed an executive agent, a guy named General Leslie Groves, to run the Manhattan Project. And he gave uh, this gentleman, General Groves, the, the power, the authorities, the resources, so that he could basically bulldoze the federal bureaucracy of World War II out of the way. All of those who, who were obstacles to getting the atomic bomb built. And Groves built entire cities, new technologies, and achieved in three years a technological miracle, the invention of the atomic bomb which people didn't even know if it was possible to do it when the Manhattan Project began. And at the end of the Manhattan Project, not only had he invented two different kinds of atomic bombs, but he had built the critical infrastructures uh, that were, are necess- that sustained uh, the future development of hundreds of atomic bombs and thermonuclear weapons that sustained deterrence, prevented the Cold War from becoming a thermonuclear war, and ultimately enabled us to win the Cold War. All Dr. Pry, if our audience...
1: If our audience wanted to pick up the phone and call their congressman, uh, what would you ask them to say if they got a congressional staffer on the phone?
2: They should demand that their member of Congress join the Congressional EMP Caucus. The Congressional EMP Caucus, which is chaired by Congressman Doug Limborn, there's no excuse for every member of Congress not to belong to that caucus. You know, this would inform them about the legislation that is uh, on the table in Congress to try to implement the recommendations that the EMP Commission uh, I would urge them also to write to the White House and urge President Trump to, to follow through on his promise in his new national security strategy and this is not a criticism President Trump is the first president who has in his national security strategy directed the US government to protect uh, the American people from EMP the problem is, is that there's this thing called the deep state where not only on EMP protection, but on all kinds of uh, issues that the president is trying to achieve, like building the wall. Uh, there is resistance in the federal bureaucracy uh, you know, to both the Congress and the president and not following through on the EMP commission recommendations. That's why we need a Manhattan Project for EMP. We need the president to appoint a somebody like General Groves, and a, uh, a basically a, uh, a special team uh, that has the authority and the backing of the president and the resources to plow the federal bureaucracy out of the way, to clear the road so that we can rapidly implement the recommendations of the EMP commission and, and get I this don't country protected.
1: I don't have that direct line to the president, but I believe President Trump is a forward thinker and just the kind of person who could make that happen. Peter, we're out of time, but I wanna thank you. Everyone, please visit Amazon and look for EMP Manhattan Project. Dr. Peter Pry, Peter Vincent Pry, has been our guest. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. Please join me in prayer for our national security. We'll see you next time. Today, I wanna invite you to sign an important petition to Congress to protect military chaplains especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. If you remember my story, you know that I was vindicated by Congress in 2006 after I took a principled stand for the right to pray in Jesus' name. But Congress never did pass a positive law to let chaplains pray according to their conscience. Would you sign that petition with me? Let's take action today.